Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. We've made it to Wednesday. I'm Nyla Boodoo, and here's how we're making you smarter today. The major risk to college athletes in this pandemic. Plus, where to look for the best meteor shower of the year. But first, the crucial coming 48 hours of the Biden-Harris ticket is today's one big thing. The Joe Biden campaign announced Kamala Harris as its vice presidential pick last night. It's a historic one. And we're expecting today to have the two of them get together for the first time. And it turns out these next 48 hours are really crucial for the Biden-Harris ticket. Hans Nichols is actually in Wilmington, Delaware, where this meeting is supposed to take place today. Hey, Hans, good morning. Good morning. Let's start with why today is so crucial for the Joe Biden campaign. The challenge for Biden, the challenge for Kamala Harris is A, to have good chemistry when they appear later today, and B, to stay on their message. And that is a centrist message that isn't going to scare people, but at the same time is really animating and motivating the base. Why does the chemistry matter? Chemistry always matters. It may matter more in this case because there is an idea that these two are really going to be governing together. So, yes, it was a rough and tumble primary. No one should sort of discount that. You also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. But people want to be able to see and say that the two of them are past that. Everyone on the Democratic side wants these two to be so united so they can beat Donald Trump. Hans, how do you measure chemistry in a pandemic? How close do we even think they will be standing next to each other? That's a great question, right? I don't know. It's like a question about love in the time of pandemic. I don't have a good answer for you on that, right? I mean, a lot of times interaction between politicians are awkward. It seems like everything's awkward under coronavirus, but you also kind of get a pass. So you're right. I mean, my chemistry meter is going to be totally broken. Maybe I'll just be listening to what they actually say for once and we'll try to write a serious policy story. This was a really historic moment for this country. And I have to say also, as myself being a woman of South Asian descent, also having family roots in the Caribbean, this is not something that I thought would see, let alone the fact that a black woman, an Asian American woman, would be considered the safe choice. It is a moment. Clearly, we've come to a different point in the country. I think we'll come to an even different point if she's actually elected. And so it's one thing to be nominated. It's another thing to win. And so, yes, the symbolism is important, but the substance and the actual policies that are leaving certain communities behind probably need to have more attention. Hans, what do Republicans want? We got a little preview of what we're going to hear from President Trump probably at his press conference yesterday evening. They're different things, what the president wants and what Republicans want. Republicans want a single unified message on how they are going to try to define Kamala Harris. The president himself tried out several lines of attack. She's very big into raising taxes. She wants to slash funds for our military. She uh, is against fracking. She was extraordinarily nasty to uh, Kavanaugh, Judge, Judge Kavanaugh then, now Justice Kavanaugh. He's still test driving things. What Republicans want is painter as a liberal. They want to paint her as someone who's out of touch, out of touch with police on the defund the police side. But her record doesn't really suggest that. In fact, that may upset some progressives, right? Some on the left. So far, progressives have been largely silent on on whether or not they think that Kamala Harris was too conservative as a prosecutor, too much of a prosecutor's prosecutor. You haven't heard that line of attack or even whiffs of that so far from progressives. But we need to watch and that could change. What's the atmosphere like in Wilmington right now? It's very empty. Everything about this campaign is going to be different. We'll watch it all on TV. We'll see it on our social media feeds. But a traditional campaign, this is not going to be. 
Hans Nichols covers the Biden campaign for Axios. Hans, thank you for making a pillow fort in your hotel room so you sound good. I'm moving the pillows so I can wish you a good morning. We'll be back in 15 seconds with how the coronavirus might change the dynamic between student-athletes and the colleges they play for. Welcome back to Axios Today. Big news with the Big Ten. For many people, the start of college sports this fall was supposed to be a return to some sort of normal. But after months of coming up with failed solutions to deal with the health crisis, two college conferences have postponed their seasons. Jeff Tracy is a sports reporter at Axios. Jeff, what's the latest? Well, as you said, the Big Ten and Pac-12 have officially decided to postpone their fall seasons. Uh, That's football and all their other sports. Those are two of the really big college football conferences, the others being the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC. And those other three are still going on as planned to actually try to go forward with their fall schedules. What about the financial implications of this? Yeah, I mean, the financial implications are massive. College football really does fund the rest of the school in many cases with TV deals that are in the billions of dollars. And so losing this season is huge. It can't be understated how big of a financial problem that really is for a lot of these schools. And what are players saying? Do they want to play? Oh, yeah. Players really want to play, although they want to play only if Health is the first and foremost thing on the schools and teams' minds. They've been discussing forming a union, which is a huge thing for these athletes who are obviously unpaid, very talented athletes who make a ton of money for their schools. And they've started to sort of realize that they have a little bit more power than uh, maybe their schools would hope they had realized. So I definitely do not think that we've seen the last of efforts to get a little bit more of the pie that they feel that they're earning. Of course, at the heart of all of this is the idea of player health. And I wonder what we're learning now about the potential long-term effects of the virus on any professional athletes who've had it and recovered. Yeah. Eduardo Rodriguez, he's a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. He got the coronavirus and he recovered from it and actually pitched the first game of the season this year. And then he was shut down. And it turns out that he has myocarditis, which is heart inflammation. And that's really scary. And that's a professional athlete. At least he's taken care of financially. If we're talking about college kids who already are fighting to earn any scrap of money they can, and suddenly they're maybe going to be asked to play a sport that could cause them to get this virus that could ruin their lives, really. I mean, even athletes in the peak of their physical condition can get really, really scary complications. And when you're talking about football players who are these really big hulking guys, that's a lot of weight to put on a potentially damaged heart. Jeff Tracy covers sports for Axios. Before we leave you today, every August, the Earth passes through a field of ice and dust from the comet Swift-Tuttle. And as that debris burns, it creates a brilliant meteor shower, 
It's called the Perseids, and it's lit up the night sky for the last 2,000 years. The Earth moves through this stream in the same part of its orbit each year, so the Perseids are always active in our sky during the second half of July and most of August. Last night was the start of its peak, but you'll be able to see some fireballs through the next week. NASA says most people will be able to see it after 9 p.m., but for the best viewing, you'll want complete darkness. That's between 2 a.m. and dawn. That's it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com. And if you're curious about what our reporter Hans Nichols' pillow fort and makeshift sound booth looks like, check out my Twitter feed. It's at Nyla Boodoo. If you want more news before tomorrow, you can tune into our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.